Well, good morning, church family. It's good to be with you uh, this morning. If you happen to be uh, new, joining us for the first or second time, my name is Chris. Just wanna welcome you. Also wanted to let you know that at the end of our time together this morning, we're actually going to be celebrating uh, communion, the Lord's Supper together. And so if you're not yet prepared for that, right now would be a great time to just run to the kitchen and grab some juice or a piece of bread, a cracker. If you don't have those things, you can grab something else as a substitute. But the, at the end of our time together this morning, uh, we are going to be celebrating uh, the Lord's Supper together as a faith family. We're looking forward to that. Um, can, you, can you remember the last time you attended a funeral? Just kind of jog your memory and think back to maybe that last time that you attended a funeral. Now, can you remember how you felt when you were there at that particular funeral? I can remember not too long ago, a year or two ago, my last living grandparent, my grandmother, died. And I can remember driving down to Birmingham and attending her funeral, and while, yes, there was kind of this sense of joy that she was now at home with the Lord and she wasn't suffering physically anymore. There was still just this kind of inescapable sense of, of sadness that we would never, ever see her again on this planet, on this side of eternity. And I remember a few years ago, I actually attended a funeral of a young man in his 20s who died unexpected, unexpectedly in an accident. And I remember being in that room just packed full of people and his young wife and his, his little daughter there. And I, man, I'm telling you, the, the grief and the pain and the sorrow was almost palpable in that room. I mean, you could just, you could sense the desperation in a, in a very real way. It was, it was hard being in that room. Well, today we're gonna see Jesus encounter a funeral. We're in a series called Encounters with Jesus we're just kind of exploring how encountering the real Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, transforms people's lives. And this particular story might be one of the most moving scenes in the entire Bible. And so if you have a Bible at home or a Bible app, I would encourage you to go ahead and open that up, turn it on, head for John chapter 11. John's Gospel chapter 11, that's where we're going to hang out together this morning. And in this scene, we encounter a family that Jesus was just very, very close to relationally. Uh, Lazarus, it appears, is a very close friend of Jesus. He also loves this man's siblings, Mary and Martha. And so let's, let's just kind of set the scene a little bit before we jump in. Lazarus, this guy Jesus was very, very close to. Apparently, they're very good friends. He gets sick and not, not just like a little bit sick, but he gets sick sick, like he's on his deathbed sick. And so his, his sisters, out of desperation, they, they send a messenger to go get Jesus. I would imagine at this point they're probably getting desperate because despite their best efforts, their brother continues to get worse and not better. Things are dire, time is of the essence. And so this messenger sprints into Jesus' camp where he was with his disciples and the messenger says, Jesus, the one whom you love is sick. Please come. And you can almost just sense the desperation in his voice. And then Jesus does something shocking. Jesus waits. He doesn't just wait for five minutes or an hour or two hours or five hours. Jesus waits 
for days. While one of his best friends is laying in a bed somewhere dying. While his sisters agonize over their brother's worsening condition by the minute, I would imagine his, his, his breathing becoming more labored and they were desperate. Time was of the essence and Jesus waits. He does nothing. And I just imagine as the sisters were waiting, I imagine them kind of looking out the door every single minute, just begging, just praying that Jesus would show up, that it wouldn't be too late. And, and as they looked for him to come across that horizon and they waited hour after agonizing hour and minute after agonizing minute, Jesus didn't show up. And finally, their dear brother, Lazarus, breathes his last breath. And now he's dead. And Jesus didn't show up. Now, I, I, want you to, I want you to put yourself in these sisters' shoes. I want you to, just for a moment, I want you to feel their agony. I want you to feel their desperation. I want you to feel their crushed hope. I want you to feel their disappointment, perhaps even their anger. Like, Jesus, where, where are you? And maybe for some of you who are tuned in, watching right now, maybe that's, that's where you are right now. You're in that dark season of life and you're just thinking, man, Jesus, where, where were you? Where were you when I needed you most? Where were you when that thing was happening to me, God? Jesus, where are you right now in the middle of this storm that I'm in? And if that's where you're at this morning, this is the story that you need because this story is just starting to get good. Let's jump into the narrative, John 11. Let's start in verse 17 together. The apostle John, another one of Jesus' best friends, writes this. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, the town of Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask for from God, he will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this, Martha? And she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. And so we enter this scene and Lazarus has been dead for at least four days now. They, we, they tell us he's been in the tomb for four days. At this point, there is no question that he's dead. Like Lazarus is dead, dead. He is very dead. There's part of me that thinks that Jesus waited so long to come just so there would be no question about how dead Lazarus really was. Martha gets word that Jesus is finally on his way and she runs out to meet him on the road, and when she gets there, she says, Jesus, if you had only been here. Jesus, if, you, if you'd only gotten here, my brother, Lazarus, your friend, he would still be alive. And then she says something that really just kind of struck me deeply, right to the core of who I am this week. She says, after that, 
but even now, Jesus. But even now, I, I know that whatever you ask for from God, from the Father, he will, he will give you. Even in her grief, Martha has what I'm calling, but even now, the but even now kind of faith. Jesus, but even now, even in death, but even now, even in sickness and sorrow, but even now when things seem the most hopeless, but even now, Jesus, when things seem completely lost, I believe. I believe in you and I trust in you. So right off the bat, the first big idea that I just want you to kind of take hold of this morning is this. Number one, in the darkest seasons of your life, friend, you need a, a but even now kind of faith in your life. The darkest nights in your life, you need Martha's kind of faith that says, but even now, Jesus, I know you, I know that you're here with me and I trust you. I went back this week and I looked at a story in the Old Testament book of, of Daniel about three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Who refused to bow down and worship false gods. And so there was this, this king named Nebuchadnezzar and, and he got word that these three guys who followed God would not bow down to his idols. And so he, he called these three guys in and he was really angry. The Bible says he was enraged that they wouldn't worship his idols. And he, so he says to these three guys, hey, listen, if you, if you will not bow down and worship my idols, I'm going to throw you into this huge fiery furnace. And even kind of mocks them. And he's like, hey, who is your God that he could deliver you from my hands? And I, and I, I love their response in Daniel chapter three. I just wanna read you their response. This is what they say as they face their own torturous death. They answer, O king, our God is able to deliver us and he will deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we will never serve your gods. And I love that. He go, they, say, they say, listen, King, we know that our God is able to deliver us. We know that he will deliver us, but even if he chooses not to, he is still good, he is still God, and we will bow the knee and worship no other. Now listen, friend, that is the kind of faith that you need in your life. This is the kind of faith that I need in my life. And I'm just telling you, beloved, if, you're, if your faith only floats when the sun is shining and the sky is blue and the birds are singing and God is doing exactly what you want him to do and the time frame that you want him to do it, if that's the only way your faith really works, I'm just telling you, you've got a phantom faith. Your faith is an illusion that will blow away like dust in the wind when things get hard in your life. Listen to me, life-giving faith isn't the kind of cheap or shallow faith that fades away when life gets hard. Life-giving faith is the kind of faith that says right in the middle of the storm, right in the middle of the flames of the fire, but even now, Jesus, but even now, I know that you're here, I know that you are able, and I know that you are with me. And Jesus responds to Martha's incredible faith. And he says, Martha, your brother, your brother will rise again. 
Martha doesn't really understand what he's saying. She goes, yeah, yeah, Jesus, I, I, know that, I know that Lazarus is gonna rise again in the resurrection of the dead on, on that last day. And then Jesus utters some of the most breathtaking words ever spoken. He says, Martha, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, shall live. And Martha, for all of her faith, she just kind of misses what Jesus is saying here. Martha knows the doctrine of the resurrection on the last day. She's read her Bible. She knows the Old Testament well. But Jesus is saying to her that resurrection, Martha, is not just a future hope. Resurrection is not just a a biblical doctrine that's been written about in the past, that, that resurrection and life is a person in the present. And he's saying to her, and don't, don't miss this church family, he's saying to her, the resurrected life is actually available now. And that's the second kind of big idea this morning. You just gotta let God breathe this deep into your soul this morning, friend. You don't have to wait until you die to experience the life that God has for you. Now, if you're like me, you grew up in the church. Many of us, I think we kind of grew up with this really strange, twisted idea that we just gotta kind of suck it up and be miserable in this life and just kind of like get through and we're just waiting for, for heaven and that's when it's gonna get really good and that's when we're really gonna experience the life that Jesus has for us. But what Jesus is saying here is revolutionary. He's saying, I am the resurrection and the life. He's saying, in my presence, you can have abundant life right now, today, in the here and now. You can experience freedom from guilt and shame now. You can have joy and peace in your life now because I am the resurrection and I am the life. And after Jesus just drops this incredible, mind-blowing truth bomb on Martha, he looks at her and he says, Martha, do you believe this? And I love her answer. She says, yes, Jesus, I believe that you are the Christ. You are the son of God. Now, maybe, maybe you're tuned in and, and you're watching this and, and you're, not, you're not a Christian. I'm, I'm happy that you're tuned in. I would ask you right now the same question that Jesus asked Martha all those years ago. Do you believe this? When you hear these words, does something resonate in your heart and soul and just kind of whisper to your heart, yeah, this is, this is true. Jesus actually is who he says he is. I don't know, maybe, maybe today would be the day that you would say with, with Martha, yes, Jesus, I, I believe that you're the Christ, that you, you are the son of God, that you are, you are God wrapped in humanity, came to, to rescue us, and, and I believe that, and I, I wanna give you my whole heart, and I wanna give you my whole life. Today, I believe that you are the resurrection and the life. And after this, incredible exchange. Martha runs back. You just gotta imagine she's incredibly excited and she runs back to grab her sister, Mary. And she lets Mary know that Jesus is on the way and so Mary at this point, she runs out to meet Jesus and then the Bible tells us there's this crowd of, of mourners who, who see Mary leave and so they, they don't know what's going on. They, they follow her out. Back in those days, funerals were a lot longer than just like the 45 minute ceremonies that we do now, they would grieve for, for days, sometimes weeks. 
They would hire professional mourners to come in and help the family mourn. I actually think their model is probably a lot healthier than, than ours. But anyway, there's this crowd of mourners follows Mary out. We're gonna pick it up in verse 32. It says this, now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she, she fell at his feet saying to him the same thing her sister said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit. He was greatly troubled. And he said, where have you, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Then it says two simple words, Jesus wept. And so the Jews said, see how he loved him. Now this is maybe the most moving picture in all of scripture. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. The, the son of God, the king of the universe, the one who speaks planets and stars into existence, the eternal one who has no beginning and no end. He sees the tears that his people cry and he weeps with them. What kind of God is this? Church, I'm telling you, I studied all the great world religions for years. I've lived in a Muslim majority country. I'm telling you, there is no God ever in history who shows up who is both simultaneously all powerful and at the very same, same time so gentle and loving that he weeps with his people, except this one, the God of the Bible, Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but this is the kind of God that I, that I, need. I need. I need a God that is not only sovereign over all of the circumstances in my life, but I need a God who sees my pain and who is willing to step into my pain and my sorrow and my confusion and walk with me through those stormy seasons of life. Now that's the kind of God I could give my life away to. And that God is Jesus. And that leads us right into our third big idea this morning, and that's, that is this. The God who weeps is the same God who gives life. The God who weeps is the same God who gives life. Listen, church family, there, there, there is none like him. We, we sing that here, that Jesus has no rival, that Jesus has no equal. He stands alone in his beauty and his glory and his majesty and his strength. He is the answer to all of life's hard questions. He is the solution to all of our deepest problems. Let's keep going in verse 38. It says that this. It says, then Jesus deeply moved again came to the tomb. Now the, the Greek word there for deeply moved carries this idea of anger or indignation, which is just kind of a reminder to me that, that all these things like death and sickness and sorrow, these, these are not natural things. Like we, we tend to kind of try to naturalize these things in our world and we'll say things like, oh, that's just the cycle of life and, and death kind of gives birth to life and, and, and death is natural. And Jesus shows us here, no, it's not. There's a reason why when we bury our spouse or we put our kids in the ground and they die before us, there is something inside of us that screams, this is not right. There's something inside of us when a little kid dies of cancer that screams out, this is not the way it ought to be or should be. That's because these things are not a part of God's good original design. These things 
are a fallout of brokenness and sin entering our world. And Jesus sees all of this stuff. He sees death and he hears people weeping and he sees the tomb of one of his best friends and he is outraged. It carries this idea of anger. He's, he's angry that Lazarus is dead. He's upset that all of these people that he loves are, are weeping and they're crying these tears and it makes him outraged. This is not the way it's supposed to be. Look at verse 38 again. It says, then Jesus deeply moved again. He's got this sense of, of rage, outrage. He came to the tomb and it was a cave and the stone lay against it and Jesus said, take away the stone. He's like, man, get that thing out of here. It's almost go time. And Martha begins to kind of protest says, Martha, the sister of the dead man, just in case you were wondering if he was really dead, he's really dead. The sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor for he has been dead for four days. The King, I love the, the King James version says, Lord, he stinketh. My brother stinketh, he's been in there for four days. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not tell you, Martha, that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so they, they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, Father, but I said this on account of the people who are standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Jesus' compassion leads him to action and he raises Lazarus up from the dead. Jesus speaks and all of creation obeys. As one, as one commentary writer I, I read this week said, if Jesus had not called Lazarus by name, he would have emptied out every tomb in Jerusalem. And this brings us to our last and our final big idea that I just wanna leave you with this morning. Sometimes God displays his love through delay. Sometimes God displays his love through delay. Friend, never, never mistake God's silence in your circumstance for his absence in your life. See, Mary and Martha thought that it was over. They thought that Jesus got there too late. They thought that they missed their chance. They were thinking, game over, there's no hope, but they were wrong. Jesus delayed his arrival to display his glory. Beloved, don't ever mistake God's silence in your storm for the absence of his care or his presence in your life. He is with us. He is near. In fact, he promises to never leave to never forsake his people. And so in those desperate moments when it feels like he's too late, in those hard times when it feels like Jesus let you down and he didn't come through and he didn't show up in time, we can say with confidence, like Martha, but even now, Lord, but even now, even in the darkness, even in the pain, even in the confusion, but even now, I trust you, Jesus. And I, I know that you're here with me and I, I know that I will not be shaken in your presence. Though the seas roar and the mountains collapse around me, Jesus, but even now, I know that you are here. 
and I am good and I am safe in your presence. Now we know Lazarus, after he was raised, he would, he would eventually die again. Our boy Lazarus is buried somewhere around Jerusalem even to this day. But I want you to know that there is another. There's another one who came and he lived and he also died and he also rose again, but he's still alive to this day. One who will never taste death again because he defeated death once and for all. And he stands ready today to offer you resurrection and life now in the present and forever into eternity. The story of Lazarus in one real sense is all of our stories because the scripture teaches us that we were all born spiritually dead. That we were all born just instinctively sort of, sort of separated from our creator in a tomb of our own sin, but God being rich in mercy, the scriptures teach us, sent Jesus into this busted up broken world of ours. Jesus, the resurrection and the life came after us to breathe life into our dead hearts and to make us really truly alive for the very first time. And so if you're tuned in right now and you've never had this kind of life-changing encounter with Jesus, or he breathes life into you in a very transformative, real way. Listen, I don't care if you grew up in church, if you've got the Bible memorized, if you haven't missed a Sunday in the last 20 years, if you've never had a life-changing encounter with Jesus, come to him today, friend. Even at home, I would just invite you right now to, to bow your heads, close your eyes just for a moment so we can eliminate distractions. And I just wanna say, man, it, if that's you, if you would have to say, Chris, you're, you're talking to me, like I, I'm Lazarus, man. Like spiritually, I'm, I'm dead. I've been in that tomb for four days. I'm cold, there's no heartbeat, there's no breath. I am, I am dead, I don't, I don't know why. I just know that I'm dead inside, I can sense it. I know I, maybe I grew up in church or maybe I've never even been to church, but I know that I'm dead inside. If that's you, I just want you to, to say something like, like this to God right now. God, I, I know that I am spiritually dead. God, I know that I'm, I'm separated from you, but I, God, I don't, I don't want that, God. So would you, would you make my heart alive? I, I believe that Jesus is who he said he was. I believe that he's the resurrection and the life. And so God, just the best way that I know how, I'm gonna, I wanna open my, my life up to you and I wanna open my heart up to you. I just wanna give you all that I am right now, God. Would you help me to, to the, the best of my ability just to, to follow you for the rest of my life? And if you're here and you're kind of tuned in and you're already a follower of Jesus and you are a, are a believer, you've given your life to him, your response to this glorious good news is gonna be to worship Jesus in just a minute through an act that we call the Lord's Supper. So let me, let me pray for us and then we're gonna celebrate this time together. Father, Father, would you teach us how to walk by faith and not by sight. God, would you teach us to trust your silence? Father, would you teach us to rest in your presence even when things don't make sense, even when our circumstances seem out of control? Would you teach us to 
press into you because you are near even in those moments. And God, would you give us, would you give us Martha's faith? The kind of faith that says, but even now, Jesus. But even now in the hardest time of my life, when the pain is real and the tears keep coming, God, but even now, I trust in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are the resurrection, (laughs) that you are the life. This is not something that we have to wait until we get to eternity to experience. We can experience it right now in our lives today in the here and now. And so God, would you teach us how to really just take hold of that promise, to claim it, to live, live out of that truth in our lives, Father, to rise above our circumstances, live in a way God, that would show the world around us how glorious and beautiful and powerful you really are. And we ask all of these things in the beautiful and the powerful name above every other name, in the name of Jesus the Christ, amen.